Welcome to the Prioritizing Prevention, Translating Science to Practice podcast. Our goal is prioritizing prevention conversations that matter. Our topic for today is alcohol awareness with class standards lens with special guest Alfredo Serrato Lanza. Now here's our host, Holly Raffle. Hello, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health Prevention and Promotion podcast, Prioritizing Prevention, Translating Science to Practice. I'm Holly Raffle, the Faculty Director of the Center of Excellence, and I'm so excited to be here today with Alfredo Serrata Langza. As many of our listeners know, April is Alcohol Awareness Month. Today, we'll be discussing how the National Culturally and Linguistic Appropriate Services Standards, also known as the CLASS standards, can and should be incorporated into alcohol awareness activities, programming, and messaging. I am so excited to have Alfredo join us for this discussion. Alfredo is the Senior Cultural Workforce Development Officer for the Great Lakes Technology Transfer Centers which are managed by the Center for Health Enhancement Systems Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is also a nationally certified trainer on culture, an integral part of mental health services, clinical application of cultural elements in mental health treatment for Hispanic and Latino populations by the National Hispanic and Latino Mental Health Technology Transfer Center in Puerto Rico, and a national trainer for the National Association for Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Counselors on Cultural Topics. Alfredo has 25 years of international relations experience, specializing in the national class standards, cross-cultural communications, conflict resolution, and process improvement. He has conducted advocacy, policy, and disaster relief work in Northern Ireland, Honduras, Peru, Brazil, Japan, Sri Lanka, and other locations across the globe. Welcome, Alfredo. Thank you, Holly, for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. I know I've had the privilege of working alongside of you for about the past year, and I'm so excited for our listeners to get a chance to meet you as well. So let's just start with the basics. Can you tell us a little bit about the National Class Standards and why they are important for prevention? Sure. Um, I think, you know, with, with the prevention field, I'm particularly excited mainly because last uh, it's something that can be easily integrated into prevention. I think th- what I would like to begin with uh, is kind of share a little bit about what the class standards are. They're, they're, the class standards are a set of 15 principles that were designed uh, by SAMHSA, uh, particularly by the um, NHSS um, and, and also um, the Office of Minority Health. And the reason that they were designed was because there was this disparity that was happening in relation to how different agencies and practitioners approached culture. And then they realized it's, it's a huge need. And, and what they did was they developed these 15 standards and there's a principal standard that, that principal standard is really the, the, the foundation of all of them, which basically communicates that when we reach out to uh, different individuals, we need to have a certain level of dignity. Um, and then after that, the standards were divided into three different categories. The first category was related to governance, leadership, and workforce. Uh, the second category was language and uh, communication needs. And then the third one was engagement, uh, continuous improvement, and also accountability. The so that, that 
that last one is, is the one where actually everybody gets to work, but the first two really are fundamental in the preparation of that work. And so the, the need is there, I think, uh, for, for class, mainly because as a country, we're getting a lot more diverse as we go. One of the statistics that it's exciting and daunting at the exact same time is that in the year 2044, diversity is going to be felt more than ever. Uh, for the first time in the history of the United States, the minority populations will be the majority. Uh, and for the first time, the, the, the majority population will feel like they're part of uh, an everyday diversity uh, that's going to be in place. And it's not something that I think is threatening because uh, a lot of people think, oh, wow, they're taking over, you know, or, or something like that. Uh, and, and there's so many different countries uh, that are part of the United States. And my hope is that the the, what everyone typically calls the, the white community, uh, that that community will come out of the woodwork and declare their, their, their own particular legacy and culture, whether they're Irish, Scandinavian, Polish, that all of those things will start to come out and join the rest of the other cultures so that we can feel this country is really as, as diverse as it should be with more, I think, micro labels that really are, are more specific to who we are rather than what those general labels tend to uh, communicate. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so easy to think of cultures as monolithic, right? And so as we, you know, break down and figure out that everyone brings something unique to the table and we can embrace that in our prevention and the class standards are a great way to start. As a trainer in the Great Lakes region for the Prevention, Addiction, and Mental Health Technology Transfer Centers, how do you see organizations incorporating class standards to address population health? Well, I've seen it in a bunch of different ways, but I think the, the part that's most exciting for me is that uh, organizations are using it to train their staff to be more engaging, to be able to reach out to the community that's already diverse. Uh, you, we go out our door and we see all sorts of faces, all sorts of cultures, all sorts of, or sort of religions. And um, we've gone from uh, terminology like competence to terminology that is more responsive in nature. And so with 6,000 different cultures around the world, uh, competence can be daunting, just, just the word. However, with responsive, you cannot feel that, that hey, if I have certain soft skills to be able to offer my community, uh, being able to listen, being able to explore, being able to uh, create friendships, uh, those types of elements are part of class. Uh, they're more about relationship building. And so what I'm seeing is organizations using it to be able to build up their uh, workforce to be more relational in, within their community. Thank you so much, Alfredo. And I love how you talked about that shift from the term competence, right? Uh, because I feel the same way or similarly about the term best practices. It does feel daunting, right? And, and again, with best practices, who decides, you know, which practices are the best? But if we operate with class from a framework and not a set of best practices, what it forces us to learn and keep growing 
as, as we're moving forward. So I really, really appreciate um, yeah. you bringing that up from the beginning, right? It's, it's an invitation, just like learning any practice. It's an invitation. As you think about the work the TTCs do to develop and strengthen the behavioral health workforce, what would you share with organizations that may not be sure where to start when thinking about using a standards-based approach to develop initiatives that are responsive to beliefs, practices, and needs of the diverse communities they serve? Yeah, and so I think uh, a good place to start is, is really just about awareness, um, allowing staff to know that there's something there that will lend support to their particular effort. And right now, because of how cultural elements are treated, the, the thought is I need to learn X in order to do Y. And, and, and really, I think that the, the, the one thing that needs to be um, changed over time is that the, the class framework is really designed to be more relational. And so if you start with communicating that sort of softness to your staff, that it's not a program, it's not something that you have to do, but rather something that's going to make you better, even in your own family. And as an example, I'm, I, I'm married to uh, a Norwegian and she's married to a Latino and, you know, our cultures collide sometimes, but because we know these things about ourselves and, and we we're very familiar with the class standards, obviously, uh, the the relationship, you know, it's, it's easier to handle because I know where she's coming from. Uh, I, I, I become a listener rather than somebody that's reactive. And likewise, for, and for her, she has to deal with, with, you know, some of my culture elements. And, and I think that's helpful. That's a good place to start. I think uh, another good place to start is to be able to find someone in the organization that can be a change leader somebody that can champion this particular effort. And, and once that change leader is in place, figuring out what is the, the, the buy-in for the leadership, whether it's governance uh, or executive directors or, or, or VPs, whatever the case, uh, you need to be able to speak that particular language uh, so that they can buy into it. Because class standards is not offering just cultural and linguistic appropriate services, it's offering mechanisms to actually make the organization better. Uh, and it will be better historically, it will be better financially, it will be better administratively because of it. And so, and there are many other betters that go along with that. And so as a change agent, if you're excited about this, I think that the one thing to do is to figure out what's the love language of my leadership in order for me to convince them that this is good, not only for what keeps them awake at night, but also for the community that they're serving. Uh, and, and so I, I would say those three would be my top three in terms of where I would begin. Thank you, Alfredo. And I love that you've mentioned the cultural differences uh, between you and your wife. So my husband is Canadian. And even though it's seen as North America, right, there is a distinct Canadian culture and a distinct U.S. culture. And that really brings us to my next uh, question, because as mentioned uh, during the beginning of our conversation, April is Alcohol Awareness Month. 
And the norms around alcohol consumption vary greatly among cultures. And even the drinking ages is different in Canada. They have a very different perspective on alcohol than we do here in the United States. And I noticed that right away. I think part of it being my job in prevention, but just seeing the different types of messaging that they choose to use. Um, so I think it's um, it's neat to consider how can the class standards assist the prevention community and others who are interested partners in prevention to navigate situations that don't have a one-size-fits-all solution. One of the things that I looked at uh, in detail is, is uh, the strategic prevention uh, framework. And I noticed that at the center of it, that there's this, you know, culture piece uh, and, and sustainability. And what I feel that the class standards can be is that centerpiece, right? To bring it in, it's a framework on top of a framework that actually complement one another. And so when you start looking at all the different parts of the strategic prevention framework, you look at assessment, uh, you realize that in order to be able to properly assess uh, the entire community, I need to know, have the data in front of me of who is my community. And so cultural and linguistic considerations need to be a part of that. Uh, to be able to build capacity in my own organization, how to attract other uh, staffs that are part of that community. I need to be able to know cultural and linguistic standards I need to have in place internally to be able to be attractive to a workforce that may serve the community that I'm serving. It's um, also important in planning. It's important in implementation more than anything, because once you are out in the field, you have to be able to have this more in a second nature on and know it in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And that's the part I really enjoy about class is because it's not just ethnically driven. It's driven just based on the distinctiveness of members in the community. And if you consider apart from ethnic differences, you have age differences, you, uh, you have the youth that you need to serve, you have elderly that you need to serve, special communities that are part of our states, you know, the Amish as an example, uh, they are a particular culture that may not necessarily be considered when you think of culture, but they're there. Uh, and so they need to be considered. Other cultures, and I would say, is the differences between men and women. You know, all of these different elements are part of who class is. And so once you interject or extrapolate, I should say, the, the framework on top of another, it really makes it easier for all these other things to operate. And then finally, I think the, the evaluation piece. If what you currently have, uh, as your organization, you have good data, right? And, and you can consider that your baseline. And once you implement class, you now have something to compare it with a year or two later to see how effective having class as part of your system will help the organization as a whole. And I, and, and in my guess would be that it will help it in pretty amazing ways internally and externally as you provide services. Absolutely. And I love, Alfredo, you know, that you brought up the strategic prevention framework in my own personal prevention practice as of late. Um, I've been really thinking of the SPIF or strategic prevention framework as a Lego blog, and you can layer on other frameworks like class standards or like the health stigma and discrimination framework 
or if you're working with coalitions, the community coalition action theory, the prevention field has grown to the point where the SPIF really can be that anchor and you can add in those building blocks to actually serve your population um, in the way they need or want to be served. And, and I think you alluded to a lot with, you know, Alcohol Awareness Month, because we have that age break, right, of legal drinking age. And, and it's, it, you know, why the, the, you know, abstinence model works for those who are, right? We need to really think about risk reduction. We need to think about how, um, you know, alcohol is affecting women right now and men and, um, and you know, all the individual cultures, uh, so I really, really appreciate you segmenting, um, or I guess infusing class standards and all those phases of this. Yeah. And, and just to add, uh, Holly, that, you know, you mentioned risk factors, um, risk factors, when you consider the, the community around you and you break them down into different cultural groups, then you suddenly realize that the risk factors are different for all of them. And so once that data is in place, you're really culturally savvy uh, because you now know the dynamics of your own community. And, and so having class in place with this concept of continuous improvement, once you have it in place, you suddenly realize, oh, and now I have a direction I can go. Uh, and and it, it gives you a, a, a true north to be able to help a particular cultural group that may have fallen through uh, the gaps. Absolutely. And in just extending upon that, protective factors are different as well, right? And so how do you capitalize on those protective factors that are present within that particular, you know, segment of the community uh, in order to create the strongest prevention model possible? So class really unlocks a lot of possibilities moving forward, particularly when paired with the strategic prevention framework, like most of our listeners are really familiar with. So what are some of those challenges organizations and program managers have shared with you as they're learning about and working through the class standards? Well, that's a great question, Lily. The, I think the, 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 the challenges, or the main challenge is just having the resource of guidance. I, I would take to your listeners that, you know, even you know, the center of excellence that you run uh, is a great resource for them uh, to be able to go there and ask, you know, how can I get help in order to implement this? We're there regionally as a, a technology transfer center. Uh, I know Ohio Mass is also uh, big into the class standards and there can also be a resource. So, so the resources are there. I think what we need uh, is more of the, the buy-in from the executive level uh, folks that are at either at, at, at the directorship level or the governance level. And then having those uh, folks buy into the class standards can really uh, help a catalyst for the effort. And, and it's definitely needed. I think that we just need to be able to create buy-in for that. And I think to remove some of these barriers, uh, the, the leadership needs to understand that there's a certain element of innovation. Uh, and th that's the one thing that gets me excited, Holly, is because uh, Ohio, by the way, it is the first state uh, through your efforts and through Ohio Mass to actually uh, put together a plan for class standards going forward. That's innovative because it hasn't been attempted yet. And, and I know that Ohio has this uh, pride in being first 
And, and in this particular case, you are being first. Um, and that excites me. So that there's a level of innovation that's there. I think there are some practical elements to it as well in terms of creating buy-in for the leaders in the organization. And, and one of them is the class actors actually helps reduce liability overall. There are statistics that, that, that give us that information. Uh, it helps support the mission, the charter of the organization in order to be able to increase the passion of how our staff go about doing their daily work. And then also, I mean, the best of all, it, it's proven to improve the health outcome, right? And, and that's all about mission. And so I think it's, it's important to be able to have that as a core buy-in. But beyond that, I think it also gives uh, leaders ammunition for good branding, right? That everybody's welcome to this place. And, and if they can say that with the different culture elements that are, that are needed in order to invite uh, folks that may not necessarily be feeling that they're invited. Um, and so that, that welcoming piece is E to branding. There's also a, a level of social responsibility that's there. And social responsibility, obviously, is going to be communicated in how we quantify the, the outcomes. And one of the ways that I wish uh, organizations would quantify things is their, the, the level of their relationship with the community, uh, the community leaders that are there. Uh, and, and then lastly, I think there's a huge buy-in for legacy. Uh, if I were an executive director in, in a prevention organization, one of the things that I would want is a legacy piece to be able to leave something behind that changes everything. And I can tell you that class has that potential uh, because it's all about relationship. Thank you so much, Alfredo. And tucked in your answer was that surprise announcement that we have for our listeners. Uh, we are so proud uh, to offer a new learning community uh, for uh, Ohioans to participate in about using class standards as a catalyst for prevention in Ohio. And this was a long time coming, Alfredo. I know that you and Fran Gerbeg, our partner at Prevention Action Alliance, have been thinking about this kind of well, you know, well during the pandemic. Um, and now it's come to fruition. Uh, we are excited to be part of it on two fronts. One, with Ohio University's point of it, School of Leadership of Public Service, and our focus with the Appalachian region of Ohio. And then also, of course, as the center of excellence. And so we are just so proud to be part of this innovation to bring together um, interested prevention organizations in Ohio to learn more about the class standards and actually develop a plan for how to implement them. I know I'm over the moon excited, but Alfredo, what excites you the most about this innovation? I think that the excitement for me is, well, you know, you mentioned Fran Gerbeck. Uh, she is definitely a proponent of this and has been for the past, you know, since I've known her for, I think, three or four years. And we got together uh, to do a particular project uh, right before COVID. It was a success. Uh, 100% of the participants ended up finishing and the, the reviews were, were, were great. They said, we need more of this. And so out of that particular call, our, that request from the participants, we decided to embark on this new effort. And, and the thing that excites me about it is what I mentioned before, which is uh, it is innovative. Um, in the training, we're going to have 
someone that is uh, specializes in prevention, um, and particularly in uh, someone that understands the community in Appalachia. Um, uh, we're going to have um, uh, another person that is going to be uh, an expert in um, the NITEX model, and, and that's all about process improvement. So, and then you're going to have me. And, and my expertise is more about the class standards. And we're, so we're going to bring the experience of the community, the experience, experience of process improvement and being able to put this into practice and the actual, I say nuts and bolts of class standards and putting it all together to bring it to you as almost what I would call a master class in, 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 uh, the implementation of class. And so, um. I invite all of you to um, apply for this. This is going to be an amazing um, opportunity to learn. And, and more than anything, I think it's going to be uh, historic because it's going to be the first of its kind. And um, I think that the organizations that come out of this are going to come out much better uh, with a lot more uh, tools in their toolkit uh, than they ever had before. And so I, I welcome them to apply and, and I'm excited for it. I, I think this is going to be um, a, a change maker for the state of Ohio. What do you hope the impact of this learning community uh, will be for Ohio? In, in, initially, I would love for the impact to be at the leadership level because if we're in a position of leadership, uh, there's a whole lot of responsibility that goes along with it. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that can really uh, help the state um, with a lot of its diversity. Uh, and uh, you know, being familiar with uh, Ohio, I know there are a lot of different communities that are represented there. And, and so, and this is a growing, growing, growing number. Uh, and, and so, the impact for for those individuals is what I truly feel in my heart that uh, that from a prevention perspective, if if we can not go in the direction of uh, allowing some of these harms to occur, uh, just would be a you know a joy uh, to my heart and 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 very uh, satisfying to my mind that these efforts are, are being done and and by doing so we are um creating change in the system and also creating change in the structure and so uh, if, if if that's the outcome i think that i will be incredibly happy and and um, and i think that will be the outcome just because i've seen the excitement in your eyes when i talk to you about it and also in friends eyes uh, and, you know, Director Chris from Ohio Mass is also very excited about, you know, cultural uh, and linguistic uh, appropriateness and, and the work that they do. Then I think overall, uh, the impact is, has already been felt. Uh, the leadership is listening uh, and excited uh, about what the future holds.
Absolutely. And and I love, you know, how you talk about it being a structural change. And I think even the idea of thinking out the strategic prevention framework, right, as a Lego and adding another brick and changing the structure of that to include class standards in every step of the way um, is an important structural change uh, for prevention in Ohio. And I'm so excited uh, to have your experience and your expertise and, of course, the team members that you're going to bring along uh, with you. Uh, to share uh, class standards and how they can catalyze uh, prevention in Ohio in new and different ways. So thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Before we wrap up, our listeners are waiting for the rapid round and they love this. So the first question, um, so you're looking for something to chill with. Are you watching a TV show or do you prefer a full length movie? Oh, I'm big into historical movies. Uh, and so anything that uh, shares a glimpse of history, uh, I love to watch in the cinema. And so uh, there's there's a lot of movies out there. And so that allows me to just chill because that's what I enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you. And so this concept of brunch, right? Breakfast and lunch put together. If you were to go to a brunch, do you gravitate more towards the breakfast foods or the lunch foods? Definitely breakfast uh i i i love my eggs and hash brown with uh i'm not allowed a steak to that uh that would be my my perfect meal um morning noon and night actually so i love breakfast absolutely thank you and this is the final question that i ask all of our guests so imagine you're reaching into that candy dish of m&ms are you going to choose plain or peanut well that's easy uh I'm allergic to peanuts, so I have to go with plenty. So, absolutely. Thank you so much, Alfredo, for your time today and for your commitment to infusing the class standards and all the work that's done, not only in Ohio, uh, but in the region you serve. And I also know you influence prevention across the nation. Um, I know our listeners um, will be looking forward to hearing more about the class standards as a catalyst for prevention in Ohio, and they'll be looking for information from the Center of Excellence as well as the presenting partner of Prevention Action Alliance. So this closes our third episode of the Prioritizing Prevention Translating Science to Practice podcast. And if you haven't already set the podcast to automatically download on your favorite podcast channel, please do that. Um, it helps get the word out about the podcast. Thank you all. And we look forward to seeing you next month. This has been the Prioritizing Prevention Podcast. For more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Apple Music, and many more. This program is funded by Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services. And for more information about us, please visit prevention.coe.ohio.gov. Thank you for listening.